Hi everyone and welcome back to a new episode of Monday Musings. I'm quite excited about this week's episode because we're talking all about history and culture in the northeast um, and how to help out with the current um, Covid crisis like within the arts and history um, sector. We also delve into very important topics like how the museum sector can be also be a champion for Black Lives Matter um, and be more diverse and decolonise museum collections and things like that but um, Hannah who is going to be this week's guest will talk all about it um, and I hope that if history, culture, heritage, that sort of stuff is something that you're really interested in um, that you just go over and support Hannah on all of her socials um, she's going to tell you our socials like at the end of the episode so you can go and check them out um, and she does some pretty good work with that sort of stuff. Again though, just before I jump in to the episode, I just want to say a big massive thank you to everyone that's been tagging me in Instagram posts and things like that and like, giving us love for this podcast because it really means a lot. Um, and yeah, please remember to leave reviews and download and like subscribe or anything, whatever you're doing to support the podcast, please keep doing it. And please let me know any more topic suggestions that you guys would want to hear. But yeah, let's just jump straight into the episode and I'm going to go on any longer and I will let Hannah introduce herself. Hi everyone, today we're going to be talking to Hannah um, about all things history and culture in the northeast. Um, so I just guess I'll just jump straight into it and just ask Hannah to like, introduce herself. Um, so what do you do, first of all, and like what kind of got you um, passionate about history and culture? Hi, so yeah, I'm Hannah um, and I currently work as a collections and accreditation project officer um, for a small local museum called Cheryl Hall. I do that and I also occasionally work um, sort of front of house and visitor services with some of the bigger museums in the northeast. Um, so Tyne, I don't know if you've heard of Tyne and Weir Archives and Museums. Um, I do a lot of Sort of visit services with them as well um, on, on occasion sort of as a casual kind of basis but my main job obviously being collections and accreditation um, may sound really bizarre to quite a lot of people but it's it's um, quite frequent that a lot of jobs within the sector um, are sort of project officer based roles so they will have like interest in sort of titles that are a little bit but basically it's sort of looking at sort of policies um, writing and sort of making sure that things are to a certain standard that the collections are sort of cared for as well and little bits of sort of engagement which also obviously I do with their services but what really got me into it actually um, in my love of history sort of goes back to when I was a lot younger so sort of school trips and family days out as well I think like it really hit home as well um sort of during sort of GCSEs when I had a really really good sort of history teacher and that that really like sort of solidified my love for history so I went on and did that um at GCSE then I went on to college and then university to do it but I hadn't really thought about like sort of a museum career at that point I just knew it was something that I really enjoyed um and it wasn't until we were getting asked you know the basic questions of hey like what what you wanted to do with with all this sort of education etc um that I started to think hmm actually and then it was a friend of mine who turned around and said oh I'd love to work in a museum and you know like for my sins I'm sitting there going 
yeah me too actually that sounds pretty good yeah. <laughs> and then a couple of years down the line here I am so yeah um it was that that sounds like so good because like I was gonna say as well when you said Jarrah Hall because obviously I like I'm from South Shields like that's where I grew up um so I used to go to Jarrah Hall on like school trips with like Bees World and stuff um and like I used to love going but I just I don't know like I think that's why I just wanted to get you on the podcast because I've like I, I did love my history lessons and all that um but I just find it really interesting like because you, you're so passionate about it as well like you've started your own like things on Twitter about like history and culture and stuff um and yeah I think it's just really cool that like you're so passionate about it yeah I do think it's something that's like deep-rooted um so it's something that I've always loved and always will love I've absolutely like it's not even just necessarily all about like museums it's the arts in general I absolutely adore the arts prior to obviously going into like sort of museum history kind of career I did like GCSE drama went and did like ES level drama as well I think I just get so much joy from the arts in general as a sort of sector and obviously everything sort of overlaps and it's just a really lovely create creative sector to be in um so it's a real joy yeah um what about like museums in the northeast because like obviously like I said I went to like I went to Jarrah Hall a few times when I was younger um but other than that like in the Discovery Museum but like other than that I haven't really like I don't know like really invested time or like effort into viewing history and arts and stuff like but what are like some of your favorite places to go because I know I, I follow you on Instagram so I've seen that like you yeah, sometimes put like there was like St Paul's what, what was it like you went there and you like, did a little tour like that was cool yeah so St Paul's um, monastery is literally it's a stone throw away from Jarrow Hall and Jarrow Hall obviously yeah. our work um you know previously obviously was Beads World that um, museum is based off the excavations that were down at that monastery so what was really cool the other night um, I sort of popped down after work and had a chance to actually properly look around like the monastery ruins um, which was fantastic because you just don't sometimes you don't get that chance to properly connect I guess with the history like obviously doing it as a job fantastic and you think like oh well you get all this time to do all this little bits of research and things but actually when you're working on policies and behind the scenes stuff sometimes like you don't get the chance to like just go and enjoy it for kind of what it is so popping down and mm. going and seeing the ruins was, was really fantastic it's something that a lot of people messaged me about sort of afterwards and said you know what I didn't even know that that was there like what is that can we go see that and I was like literally outside of me work when you posted that and like because obviously I knew where it was um but I've never like really maybe I've seen it like walk past it like while being at Drawer Hall but I've never like actually went up to it and like seen it so when you posted about it I was like oh wow like I didn't even think to go and have quite a look I think it's those little places isn't it and things that like maybe people like either take for granted or didn't really like they know that it's kind of there but like they don't really have the like opportunity or or they'll sit and they'll think, oh, I might go and see that at some point, but it never really happens. So it's important, like, making time for mm-hmm. that. Obviously, you um, mentioned the Discovery Museum. That's one of the museums that I work at when I do my visitor service role um, for Tiny Weir yeah. Museums. Um, but for me, 
I think if we're talking about sort of other like little sort of gems and stuff of places that maybe aren't as well known. Um, now I don't know because obviously you said you're from South Shields, you may have heard of this. Um, but one of the my favourite museums is um, a little place called Albea. Well, apparently I went when I was very young, but I just cannot remember it. Um, but yeah, I've heard like I actually really wanted to go back um, like soon, but obviously with Corona and stuff, I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I went when I was very young with like me and Granda because obviously, like I think when you are young and you live in South Shields, that is there is actually quite a lot of places you can go for like culture and history in Shields. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I absolutely adore like I absolutely adore Arbia. Um, that was another museum similar to Gerald Hall actually that I hadn't really heard of until a lot later, sort of in when I kind of knew what I was wanting to do, I guess. So. I'm from North Tyneside, some other side of the river. So like my school trips and stuff would have been other like Sagadunum, yeah. places like that. Whereas obviously I didn't know mm-hmm. much about South Tyneside. But having the like opportunity, obviously I went in my undergrad degree in history was at Sunderland. So like that was kind of a, another side of the river kind of introductory. Um, and like it wasn't until... So it was then I kind of learned about, obviously, Beads World at the time. But, I mean, Arbea was an even mm-hmm. later sort of addition. It wasn't until I didn't get a chance to actually go and visit that and sort of do that until I was doing my museum's um, MA placement. And <laughs> that was one of the places that I was based. So, And then I think, like, when you grow and you spend so much time somewhere, like, obviously doing something like a placement, you kind of naturally fall in love with a place, like, I spent like quite a lot of the summer there sort of helping out and volunteering and then to be able to go back and do visit a service is there for a little bit it's just a really lovely kind of nice thing to go back into and to like really appreciate so I'm a North Tynesider who absolutely adores the museums on the other side of the river I mean like Gerald Hall as well has like some like gorgeous like surroundings like just where it's based like the little park outside and like further down the front um and well I don't know if there is actually still a park there that was like because when I was younger it was like a kind of a really tiny park then I think they put that like wooden boat and stuff there um yeah I don't know if that's still there and then and then obviously they have like there's that new like cafe around the corner as well isn't there I don't know if that's still there I'm not even sure um but I can't remember what it's called yeah so we've got um the Hive Cafe which is the new sort of cafe on the block which is incredible it's really good does amazing sort of vegan food and things as well um and now it's been really good because I think our sort of approach so obviously I was mentioned Gerald Hall as what it was in terms of Beads World when obviously Beads World closed down um a new sort of organization took over but it was actually like an environmental charity that took over called Groundwork oh okay um and they've it's been really interesting sort of how they've ran the place um and one of the decisions even from like the very start was in terms of like the cafe they were going to like sort of put out sort of a tender for people to sort of apply in terms of like independent cafes and things like that so even the decision making Mm. of who would get like that sort of lease and who would be our tenants in terms of like the hall for the cafe like that was a decision that obviously still kind of 
we like we were very involved with still do you know what I mean they're amazing and fantastic and I think like fits in really well with like the ethos of the museum as well um, and obviously groundwork as an organization but the museum itself is just to tell you like obviously anyone who hasn't been um to Jarrow Hall um it's an incredible site in its own sort of way because it's actually an 11 acre site so it's quite big um, and it's not just obviously the museum itself, so the Bead Museum, which has some of the artefacts I was talking about from the monastery um, down at St Paul's, but it also has um, its own sort of Anglo-Saxon um, farm. So it's got, a, it's got a farm with like rare yeah. food animals in, um, which, is, which is fabulous. And obviously we see that obviously these animals um, as part of, like our collection in terms of the fact that these are animals that obviously are as close to the breeds that may have been around and um, during sort of Anglo-Saxon times um, and a lot of them as well that we have at the museum are sort of rescue animals too so it's very much like a kind of place whereby we'll take in animals if like they really sort of need um, somewhere to go um, so which is which has been really really nice as well and um, some lovely animals down on the farm and then as you go sort of further through the site you've also got what we call as the anglo-saxon village but it's not really typically a village it's just a bunch of replica buildings um which are sort of from the saxon period so going back to obviously what i was talking about on in terms of like our beer for example that's a similar kind of thing although they're more reconstructed buildings on original, you know, archaeology. We, we have at Jarrow's more replica buildings based off other archaeological sites and other finds. But it's really interesting because it means that it allows like visitors to come and sort of see what these buildings may have looked like um, on both sites. And it really kind of brings the history to life, which I think is a really enjoyable thing. I know like the likes of like Beamish, for example, which is another one of my favourites. They do similar things, but on a bigger scale in terms of all the different buildings you can go in and visit that have been sort of rebuilt back up in places. I live like not that far away from Beamish. Um, and I actually haven't been since I moved here. I think the last time I went was probably, I feel like it was still when I was in school. Like actually, when I'm thinking about it, I was quite lucky that all the school trips that I went on like to museums were quite like amazing museums like Beamish is just unbelievable it's like a whole experience when you go to Beamish um and I wanted to ask as well since obviously you'll probably you'll know um what is going on with like museums and stuff with coronavirus like are you open now yeah so a lot so obviously the official sort of guidance was that museums and galleries would open from the 4th of July um that wasn't something that actually happened for a lot of places it wasn't really realistic um we knew that we could kind of open from that point but a lot of places just weren't ready to do so um so mm. Jarrow Hall is open now it opened from the 18th of July so it wasn't that far off really um give or take a couple of weeks from when they said obviously we could open um they yeah. ha- obviously make sure that they had all the signs in place for social distancing um and all those measures in place before they could actually obviously open a lot of museums as well um like many places obviously have been operating on sort of skeleton staff in terms of the fact that a lot of people have been on furlough 
which has been a real like sort of struggle and if you think about it they've been having to try and sort out this whole okay we can open on the 4th of July um which was very sort of announced very late on um yeah and on the staff that they've kind of already got so I don't think it was necessarily realistic to say yep okay come 4th of July everyone's going to be open I know there's some places yeah that still aren't open and some of the places that have opened earlier have been the ones that have outdoor sites so obviously we're blessed mm. with Lake Gerald because we've got the outdoor site that I was talking about before with the farm with the village um so it means that we can sort of welcome visitors back safely and have them sort of outside enjoying that space um whereas some of the other museums obviously aren't going to open until the likes of sort of later in August and maybe even September and that's just because they can't physically do that at the moment and there's so many things that need to be put in place staff need to be trained up and need to be made aware of sort of the different changes and that takes some time unfortunately um but at least obviously it's doing it you know right and that's an important thing yeah exactly um speaking of like you know being in lockdown and like coronavirus and stuff I seen on twitter so I went on twitter to find out more about like museum hour and stuff like that um but when I went on your twitter I seen that you have like a virtual museum on animal crossing and like I just thought that was so cool because like, obviously everyone has their own museum on the island and stuff um and like I play it and I oh my god I put I'm not even gonna lie and it's actually embarrassing I put 260 hours in animal crossing while I was like off work um and like when I seen the museum bit and like obviously Jarrah Hall was treating it and like stuff like that and I was like oh my god that is such a unique and like good idea like did you come up with that no so um obviously like lockdown I was telling you how obviously a lot of people a lot of staff ended up on furlough um and we all yeah. had to try and find things to do in our spare time um one of my like joys that I found sort of during lockdown was the Nintendo it was the Switch and when Animal Crossing came out I did spend a lot of time sort of on that game I, I don't even I don't even want to look at how many hours I've spent on that game <laughs> to be honest with you it, it'll be embarrassing um yeah but that was a like childhood favorite for me anyway I always loved those games I always loved like that museum um element yeah, of it yeah so, cute. so being able to like um engage with that game and then think about it from an aspect obviously with being older with having worked in the sector um and from an actual museum professional um perspective I think mm. so for for a little bit I started just playing around sort of doing my island of collecting fossils but then I started seeing things like online via the um sort of other museums that were putting things out so for example the Met they started using the pattern tool um in order to try and oh, put, okay. put their collections out there into obviously Animal Crossing the mill also did the same and they were tweeting about stuff and actually when you start saying those things you start thinking you know what I wonder if it would be interesting like to have sort of an actual museum perspective and look at it from that way so I started looking at it a little bit differently um the Twitter account kind of came because a lot of the time like obviously when you're playing on the game if you want to share your own um pictures and photographs 
you would have to share it via either a Twitter account or you'd have to share it via your own like Facebook. So for yeah. me, um, it was kind of a, actually, why don't I set up my own Twitter account for the museum itself and use that as an engagement side of things? Um, because I think like people were getting sick of how many pictures I was posting, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, but then the more I started to post, the more I started to think about the connections between the virtual sort of gaming world and real museums. So sort of looking yeah. at um, things like the fossils. So up at the Great North Museum um, last year, we had Dippy on tour, which we're very lucky to have. Oh, yeah. um, I actually, I actually went. I, I seen that. So I was. That's one thing I actually have done recently. I did go and see that. Um, and what was like fab was I was sitting there and I was thinking, obviously in the fossils gallery, on Animal Crossing, you build like your own sort of dippy as well. So when yeah, when I got all the pieces yeah. and all the fossils for that, um, I was sat thinking, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to take some photos next to dippy. I was like, actually, we should also be mentioning dippy on tour that's still like a rolling yeah. obviously at the minute due to um current circumstances things have kind of went on pause a little bit but that was a rolling yeah. thing that was obviously traveling around sort of the country around the UK um so I thought it'd be a cool sort of correlation to make <laughs> so sit there and go we've got our own dippy you might not be able to visit them <laughs> in real life at the minute but actually you can visit them via the museum um and then obviously with the expansion of the art gallery these are real life artworks that are sat in art galleries and museums sort of all over the world so to me it was a no-brainer to sort of start making those connections and again it's about engagement and engaging people Mm -hmm. so obviously using like the hashtag animal crossing people who maybe play the game and enjoy obviously the museum aspect but don't necessarily know where the artwork's from, which I thought was really cool yeah. to sort of give that insight a bit. I feel I feel like Animal Crossing, like the like the actual details that you get when you hand the fossils to blathers and stuff, like it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like it's actually like like a really informative way, but you're so right, like by hashtag and stuff like that, like people can learn a bit more and it's like yeah, it's just a really good idea. And I thought that was like so funny because obviously I love Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um so I thought, oh God, that's mint. But uh, when I was like, I'll just move on to like the museum hour bit because obviously that's why I originally went on your Twitter anyway. So like, can you tell us what like museum hour is? Yeah, so um, museum hour is a weekly um museum discussion. Um, it's hosted on Twitter every every Monday night at eight o'clock UK time. Um, and basically it can be a discussion about anything relating to museums. So. We often put calls out for guest hosts to get in touch with us and say like a topic that's really relevant um, or interest like of interest to them. Um, and then they'll come back to us and, and, and we'll say, yep, that's fantastic. Um, we can roll with that. We can get you booked in. If obviously we don't have guest hosts for certain like sort of weeks, we might also decide that we want a host, like self-host something ourselves. Um, but it's all very sort of relevant current issues within the sector, um, which obviously is like really important. We are sort of international as well. We've got a big following. Um, it's not just people from the UK, which is something that obviously means that 
we have to sort of engage with broader topics as opposed to like not necessarily like just UK centric topics um so just in general what we've also found which is really interesting is the fact that a lot of like the similar issues that we have within like the UK actually other museums and stuff have them as well around the world so it's a good sort of thing to come together and sort of learn from one another I think um but yeah definitely but it's fab it is um obviously weekly so as I'm recording this currently um I'm also preparing for that tonight (laughs) oh god you're busy (laughs) but I think it's just really good to like sort of have that it's like something that live current happens weekly people can get together and they can have those really open and honest discussions especially when things aren't very you know easy and things are a little bit difficult which we've all been experiencing lately so what's the topic tonight the topic tonight is anti-racism the big one um yeah big topic yeah so talking about sort of how you can actively as a museum obviously be anti-racist um because there's obviously a lot of issues in relation to museums that hold certain collections um yeah and obviously our history and the fact that we have a lot that we need to face obviously Mm. in terms of like difficult pasts um whereby obviously we have been rooted in sort of racism and things like that and actually with things like obviously the Black Lives Matter movement there's been a big push for museums to sort of acknowledge that this history you know is there and actually we need to sit and we need to have conversations about it and we need to address it and we need to decolonize obviously our collections and have discussions around that so it's going to be a very big topic I think. Yeah, but I think them topics are like, them type of discussions are exactly like the type of discussions that need to be had because it's just such an important thing that people kind of want to brush over because it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. But like you say, like it's something that needs to be said and having them discussions is like very good and like having it on a platform such as Twitter as well where everyone can get involved, that's like even better. Um, But yeah, that sounds so good. Like I hope that people that are listening and if they're like, that sounds like of interest and then they'll go and check it out but I wanted to also ask you about like how is it like actually getting into the like museum industry I guess you would call it um because I know like obviously it must be hard because there's not like so many museums you know what I mean like there's only a certain amount so like how do you get like started in that yeah so that's a really good question um there are so many routes into the sector I think one of the traditionally thought routes was obviously to go to university do your MA for example museum studies that's what I always thought initially that's why I probably did go and do that but very and then obviously you could go and you could apply for jobs um but actually the more sort of time has gone by um, very quickly we realised then that there are people who are into the sector from other routes and actually that's very important so there's been a lot less emphasis on people needing a master's degree um, which I think yeah. is really important because the reality of the situation is not everybody's going to have the money or time in order to put aside for to do a master's degree like they just they just can't it's not realistic and I think to ask people to do that and to do a postgraduate degree isn't isn't fair and actually 
you know you're not yeah. doing yourself any favors in terms of the industry because you're not allowing sort of people to come in who otherwise you know might bring all these amazing ideas all these great creative ideas might have all these sort of outside yeah. sort of knowledge and skills but you're kind of blocking them by saying no exactly. you need this you need this degree um but that was a traditional yeah. route there's a lot of talk around obviously volunteering for experience that has its own issues because obviously a lot of people will spend a lot of time volunteering but actually that's that's free work which you know isn't always necessarily yeah um I think one of the most underrated um things in terms of getting into the sector is actually understanding transferable skills so you could be in an industry mm. um, where you're picking up skills that are actually very relevant to the sector. Um, however, you're not necessarily understanding the relevance there. And I think we're starting mm, right. to kind of think a little bit more along those lines and try to highlight transferable skills and how you can sort of go from another sector into this sector without having had like your master's degree specifically in that area or a ton of volunteering experience I feel like so long as obviously you have an interest in learning then you know you can do that it is very difficult though as with like a lot of the art sector in general you are saying about like there not being that many museums there's even less jobs (laughs) which you know isn't isn't great um and we've obviously started being a lot more honest and open about that, I think, which is really important and a really positive move forward. Because prior to that, I think a lot of people were coming in thinking, I'm just going to get a job straight out of uni. or, And it's not realistic, mm. unfortunately. Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, it's one of them things, like, well, I think any, like, arts industry, like, you're on about like, volunteering and stuff, like, I had to do internships. Like, there's a lot of things that it just obviously comes with being in the art industry though like there's I think it's one of them unique industries that like I don't think unless you've done it like you, you wouldn't think like all this unpaid work and all this time and effort goes into actually like pursuing a career in that sort of stuff um and yeah so like I would I would guess I would ask like have like cuts been an issue as well because obviously you were saying like certain things like jobs and stuff like that like a hard to get is that because of like cuts and is that like government cuts or is that like different yeah absolutely so um jobs if we go back like a good few years there would have been a lot more sort of jobs available and um, teams would have been a lot fuller um and we've noticed like obviously mm. over the past sort of few years there's due to cuts and due to lack of funding um a lot of teams have been cut um there's a lot less people sort of within those teams um, which also then has the problem of the fact that you've got people who end up doing way more than they initially subscribed to do in terms of their job. Yeah. Um, but also, when obviously I was talking about my current role in terms of project officer role, that are sort of like fixed-term contract kind of work, um, and that is a result, a direct result of funding or lack of funding. So... You yeah. get these roles that come up based off essentially whatever funding you mm. can secure as a museum. Um, government cuts, the, the they haven't really the government haven't really ever like funded properly the arts. 
um and well at least not in a very long time and we're seeing that a lot now with yeah. obviously struggles and a lot of organizations coming out and saying you know times are really hard actually we're having really awful discussions around like redundancies um but the thing is these conversations are conversations that have already been had with staff mm. in the past and obviously the situation with covid has made this a lot worse because yeah. there's been no income coming in and obviously funding hasn't been there in place in order to do that um and when it has been the issue is yeah you've got all these museums that are competing for this funding and unfortunately unfortunately not everyone's going to get it so there's a lot of sort of larger trusts that are coming out right now and they're being honest and saying look we're struggling we're having conversations about redundancies um times are hard times are difficult we've put in for this funding but actually we were unsuccessful and I think that's really hit home recently is there quite a lot of like well I'm assuming there'll be a lot of it going around at the moment but um is there any like way that people can like donate or like because obviously I know that a lot of people right now are on the same boat like I'm still on furlough like um but is the if people have got that kind of money and they want to support the art and stuff is the ways that can donate to like an organization that'll help or yeah so there's a lot of um these organizations that are currently sharing sort of links um for donations um most of these places already have you know all these links to mm-hmm. to donate they have them maybe like on their website if the venue was open they would constantly have um sort of points where you could physically go and donate via like contactless yeah. and cash because obviously they haven't been open they've been relying a lot more on sort of online donations and I do think like obviously some of them are starting to push that out a little bit more and um, I would recommend and say that a lot of sort of your favorite like museums out there they probably do have a donation link within their websites anyway. So maybe it's just a case of yeah. going on and sort of looking and seeing, you know, if they have a support us link and um, which would have that sort of donation. But obviously as well as museums are starting to open back up again, it's really important to sort of like, you know, support them by going and visiting, buying tickets, um, using their gift shops as well. It can be a really big help. I love a good museum gift shop. Museum gift shops are underrated. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. That's been something that I've been really pushing like recently. There was a few museums that had been closed, Beamish being one of them, that actually mm-hmm. they still had their gift shop open or little bits of the gift shop. So they they, they went and put oh, that cool. online as obviously normally you would have it sort of you would go and yeah. visit. Um so you could go and you could still get like sort of traditional sweets and stuff and you could order them online um and that just is a way of helping support obviously that museum because they rely a lot very heavily on ticket sales which obviously yeah and the staff within them obviously you're still having to pay a lot of that staff while the museums are closed that are working Mm. on things and unfortunately because of that situation that's a lot of sort of sort of that's a lot of money being spent on obviously sort of staff wages looking after the buildings yeah looking after the collections so much like loss of income when you're not bringing anything back through sort of ticket sales and it's an ongoing sort of struggle really and like I said in terms of the cuts 
we're constantly facing costs within the arts sector and within the museum sector and I feel like funding pots whilst they bring obviously some sort of hope the reality of the situation is that not everybody's going to be able to successfully apply for them and get that money smaller museums will struggle um so it's it's hard and the best way to support your sort of local museums and smaller museums is by going online and sort of seeing if they have that donate button or link doing a little donation if you can um or like I said if you're visiting just asking how you can donate um some a lot of places mm-hmm. do contactless payments for donations as well on site or they might just direct you again to the website where you can do that online yeah because I feel like as well like museums are really good places to take the family and I think like that at the moment is something that people are looking for because obviously like a lot of kids have been cooked up in their rooms for like a long time um and I think once everywhere starts open again it is a good like that's one of the top things that I think should, people should like think about is like going to museums and like kind of learning about the local history um and culture and stuff and yeah that's like a great way to support the actual the museums and stuff by actually going and taking the family and stuff like that absolutely and using obviously the gift shops um i've posted a little while ago on twitter and it was about how all these people that use like amazon and places like that we had people coming in quite frequently at times and some of the like galleries in particular museums and they would say you know oh i could maybe order that on amazon and get it for cheaper yeah potentially as would be the case like you know (laughs) with a lot of things however it's not just when you purchase obviously something from a museum you need to think about actually what the impact of that is and what that actually means in terms of value so for that extra couple of pounds or so actually you're getting something there and then that's associated with that visit and that day and actually you're supporting your local museum you know that obviously or, or gallery and I think when you start thinking of it in that way the likes of Amazon and stuff, they don't need that support. <laughs> they really, really don't. Yeah, definitely not. Um, Absolutely not. Whereas obviously your museums will mean a lot more. A lot more. So Yeah. I do think it's exactly what you said in terms of visiting and um, obviously spending money in the cafes and the gift shops and just really being supportive in that way. Yeah. Um before I end the chat, is there anything that you wanna kind of plug like obviously you've got your museum hour is there anything else that you're working on oh loads of different things um (laughs) so obviously as well like um talking a little bit earlier you were mentioning about obviously getting into the sector and and sort of we were discussing how it can be quite difficult at times but how there's actually multiple routes and then they need to be discussed Mm -hmm. more I actually run a museum group called the northeast emerging museum professionals group um, and that group was basically set up to help people who were sort of early career professional and um, so they were wanting to get into like the museum careers um, or they just sort of started out there was a lot of support there and is a lot of support there for obviously students and um, who are going through the MA project but also people who you know are just volunteering or just looking for traineeships in different ways in and um, what it essentially is is it's a support network so it's somewhere that people can sort of share things like share ideas share how they're feeling and um, 
which I think is like really important. They can share resources from different training activities. Um, so that's been a really sort of great thing to be involved in um, and to sort of set up because it's there for people who sort of probably need it, especially at the moment, obviously with everything yeah. in terms of struggling to get into the sector there'll be a lot of worry about people who are wanting to get into the sector but are seeing obviously what's happening to the sector at the moment and it's just nice to have that support network yeah definitely yeah I also have multiple um, group chats that I've set up on Twitter which is just full of museum professionals full of people who love museums basically um, mm. and they've been really lovely like obviously through like lockdown stuff it's been great to just chat with people I think people sometimes don't like they take for granted the power of just talking to other people and being able to sort of like download obviously feelings and stuff and have that support yeah which has been quite nice as well so what is your twitter handle again um it is at hannah or neighbor okay right so if anyone feels like they're interested in that definitely go and give hannah a follow um but it's been such a good chat Hannah um I feel like I've learned a lot um I hope everyone else that's listening has as well but yeah thanks so much for being on um and thanks so much for having this chat perfect thank you for asking me um it's been amazing it's been really great um, I'm glad that you've enjoyed thanks everyone for sticking around till the end of the episode like always all of Hannah's links and socials and anything that she's talked about will be in the description of this episode. I hope that everyone listening took away something from this um, episode. I personally really love the conversation about like decolonising um, collections and things like that and like Hannah said you'll see more of that on Museum Hour over on her Twitter. But that is all for now so thank you very much for listening. Remember to leave reviews and go and follow us over on Monday Musings Pod where like every single other week that we've done a podcast we talk about everything to do with this week's podcast that was didn't sound right but you know what I mean (laughs) if you didn't catch that because I was literally stumbling over my own words um every week on Instagram at at Monday Musings Pod we talk about like the podcast topic so this week we'll be talking about museums culture heritage in the northeast and just in the uk in general i feel like this episode was very much one for the locals if you know what i mean like if you're not from the northeast you might not have got a lot of the references and however i hope that like the broader topics you kind of um could relate to and found interesting but yes thanks everyone so much for listening and i will be back next week with another episode